Ugh, what is up, people and patrons listening to the Squad Games podcast? Ugh, a new mission set, a new introduction for this time. I'm uh, today. Today I am with Dakota and Emmanuel, and myself. My name is Giacomo, and this is the Squad Games podcast. Why don't you guys go ahead and say hi to everybody? Hey, everybody. Hi, Dr. Nick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know, today's been a pretty good day. I just ate a sandwich. Um, oh, yeah. What eat? kind of sandwich? It's, it was like just turkey. I made turkey and I fried up some bacon. All right. Nice. All right. Just... I ate too much for dinner. Well, who's too much? Boo! Get off your podcast. No, I just... Um, I had I had a big old slop of shepherd's pie and oh super satisfied. Oh, that sounds awesome. I'm pretty sure that I've only eaten um like a McDonald's chicken sandwich today and I despise McDonald's. So that tells you how my day of eating has gone away. See what I wonder is you despise McDonald's yet you go get the chicken sandwich pretty often or at least at least I see it off. Well, it's the only thing that's good at their restaurant. <laughs> it's a spicy, crispy chicken sandwich. It's good. Fans out there. That and big chicken, I'm a big fan of. Popeyes, not so much. Fun fact, we our city has the only other big chicken in California. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It does. Yeah, there's only two. One in Glendale, if I remember right, and the other one in Valencia. And if you guys aren't aware of what Big Chicken is, is and no, they're not a sponsor, is Shaq's, uh, it's Shaq's Chicken Place, and everything is big. It's quite good. Interesting. Interesting. I, I know folks that live in Glendale. I might have to check that out. I mean, you, you're all about these, uh, these, chicken, uh, these chicken endeavors. We had the Daddy's Chicken for the team tournament yep. that you got to kind of sponsor, I guess. Kind of, yeah. Uh, yeah, kind of support the. Uh, it was like, what's a kill team? Sure, come buy my chicken. Is pretty yeah. much how that conversation <laughs> went, right? <laughs> pretty much, I think. Um, well, you know, the 2019 craze of chicken, thanks to Popeyes, really helped us with that. So I'm unfamiliar with this craze. Well, that's when the they released their chicken sandwich. In 2019, nope. I feel like Popeyes has always had a chicken sandwich. They you hadn't? would think, but no, right? it's 2019 was the day they released it, or the year they released it. Yeah. What it was the one when everyone went nuts over it, and then they sold yes. out, and everyone yes. like threw a fit. What a time to be alive, guys. What a Absolutely. time to be alive. <laughs> Speaking of times to be alive, right now we are witnessing 2.5, 2.5 edition, 2.5, two and a half edition. I don't know what to call this one of Kill Team, because we're getting the Kill Team Critical Missions Pack, mm-hmm. which comes with new tech ops, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of updates of old ones. You have new layouts. And new ways to play your missions, which is very exciting. Um, So let's go ahead and start off by just sort of mentioning some of the new things that changed. Uh, One of the ones I thought was kind of weird was now you have three command points to start the game. And then you get your other one on the beginning of your turn, which is cool. You know, it lets you do a little more things throughout the game, I think, for every other army. So it makes great armies good, even like even better. And then, you know, okay armies better. I I think it's fine. I have no issues. What do you guys think? I think that... um... It's going to help out, like you said, the good teams. It'll help out the bad teams. Um, But I think the teams that are going to struggle the most from this, once again, 
is the compendium teams. I do not think that the compendium teams are going, this is necessarily like a big buff. And also with the nerfs to uh, grenades, I don't think that they're going, I think they're just going to fall more and more down the totem pole. Of course, you're going to have your outliers out there, like, you know, talons and maybe your death guard players, but everything else, uh, maybe, maybe even craft worlds, but everything else is, I think, going to continue to fall. Science too. I mean, it's, it's really kind of, par for the course for compendium right the mm-hmm. the ones that were not relevant in top tier lists are still not going to find relevance from this absolutely um and the thing about it's uh i need to spend more time looking at some of the newer teams and some of these um exceptional teams with great tac ops to see if there is even room to spend more cp you know um that that's one thing that I've thought about with this uh the CP hike is the great teams getting better, sure, but are those extra tack ploys that they can use or strap ploys that they could potentially use, are they actually necessary? Is it actually gonna boost them higher? Or are some teams that were starved for CP gonna surge forward and actually help them more than the people that already had tons of CP to begin with? It it's hard to say, and it, it's kinda like um what Jock said, it's 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 fine. It, we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see what shakes out. I mean, there's been balanced data slates in the past that have changed the cost of CP of certain tech plays. Like, uh, what was it? Um, the worthy cost for for Pathies, right? So, if this extra CP actually makes Legionary go banana bonkers crazy, right? just make it so that they change one of the um, banana bonkers crazy tactics up to two CP and then completely wipes that buff away from them. Right. I think that uh, the one team it is going to drastically help, which is kind of like a middle tier pack, especially since we, uh, since I spoke to Rion, um, the winner of the New Mexico grand finale. Um, What he said as well is uh, the warp coven are a very middling team. Absolutely. And they, they love, cp right they need cp so i think if anything it's definitely going to help them out um maybe more than you know maybe something like vetguard or something but um commandos too um commandos it's a scratch yeah they suffer from that though like oh my god (laughs) that sounds like someone's like oh i'm drowning in riches here but um the reality of it is that they need to have that that up um, yeah. it is their biggest party trick and it's what keeps them so effective but we've seen time and time again them skirting that 45 46 percent win rate in the previous um in the previous balance that da- um balance data slates where they really haven't gotten much attention even though they're kind of skirting at the bottom there um the the commandos with an extra cp could forward deploy two people mm-hmm. they can have an extra round of daka daka or they could forward deploy and shush and daka daka, where normally they'd have to choose two out of the three. So I, I think that helps them more than Intercessor would get help from it. Um, because Intercessor is already doing really well, and that extra tech ploy is not exactly going to push them over the edge, where it might have a much bigger impact or something. I definitely would agree with that. Um, but from an Intercessor player's perspective, uh-huh. there are times where usually around turn two, I'll be down to one command point and I have to keep it because I'm usually expecting to trade. Uh, I'll jump up my sergeant there. He'll do double tap and he'll take out two dudes. And then I usually expect him to die. Then he'll triple tap and kill someone else at the end. 
Mm-hmm. But having having that extra is really nice so that I can, you know, make that reroll, make the other um, initial no-no fear for the round. So I, I do appreciate having the one, but it's probably not as effective as some of the older teams. I definitely think that this is not something that's like super game breaking, especially since everyone's getting it. And it's not nothing crazy like what 40K does, right? When uh, Emmanuel, if you're not if you're not familiar with the new 40K rules, completely is, unaware. Uh, every single start at the start of every single player's turn, both players gain a command point. Yes. Um, so what mm. happened? So in a, in a, in a kill team like thing, what that would happen is that w- what that would be like is everyone would go down to like one CP to start the game. And then every single round, both players would gain one CP, um, for e- at the start of each person's like turning point. Right. So, uh, in total, there would be like eight or something. Yeah. Or, that would be nuts. That would be nuts. Um, but that that's essentially kind of like how 40K's uh, new mission pe- packet is done. So it's nothing crazy like that. So I, I don't think it's going to be a huge thing. I think it's healthy for the game, and I think it's going to br- bring more more fun and more variety to every single match play game, especially for those people who are good at their teams and know when to use their abilities. For instance, again, speaking to... Uh, some of the top players in the world, they typically save their CP for the things that everyone currently thinks is good. Mm-hmm. Um, then they don't use those very much. They use other things instead. Um, I mean, it's going to help Geller Pox because Geller Pox are going to be able to do draw to the hum a little bit more easy rather than having to spend the extra CP for it. So, you know. Yeah, yeah. that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. My opinion. You get, get to use your more of your abilities more often, where you might not always use something because you're trying to save it for the better ones. I will I'll probably agree with that. And well, moving on from a fun standpoint, uh-huh. oh, not yet. Fun okay. standpoint, it's more fun to do more things. Yes, exactly. Yes, yes. yes. Oh, play with your toys. Yeah. more toys, more toys, yeah. more toys, always more toys. <laughs> but speaking of more toys, let's break it into the amount of toys you get. So, you know, for, for elite teams, you're generally going to have about six models. So your army setup is broken into groups of three, and players alternate, starting with defender and attacker. So pretty much like that. If um, you're familiar with 40k or generally most war games, they tend to do the alternative deployments. And I think that's an interesting choice. Because let's say, for example, you have, a, um, I don't know, let's say elites, right? So you only have six. Then you're playing against a horde team who's like I do this in 40k all the time. I see my opponent putting down their chaff. I put down my chaff, and we keep going until we start putting down our actual big Important pieces. Yeah. Yes, and then you're like, okay, so if you have more models to place down before your opponent did, anyways, like this is this way you, you sort of mitigate that because they're all in groups of three. Everybody has a group of three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. or and it's not group of threes; it's groups of thirds, right? Groups of thirds, right? Yeah. Yes. So. Something that's fascinating about this particular thing is, against, again, it's similar to Warhammer 40k, um, you know, which is, which is uh, good and bad. Um, I think that 40k, people who play 40k or who have played 40k coming into Kill Team, this will be much more normal and less swingy and less important of a singular dice that they feel loses them the game. I feel like it's less feels bad for sure. And I like the change a lot. Uh, I do think it does um, possibly help out uh, your horde players a little bit more. But if you, if you play it right, you know, the elite players and semi-elite players will uh, 
like groups like that groups of 10 and stuff like that can still make it work for them. What do you think, uh, Emmanuel? I, I disagree on the uh, it helping Horde players more. Um, it's actually going to be more challenging, I think, for Horde players to deploy because think about when you deploy now, right? Um, you place your models, you sometimes shuffle them around and you make sure that you could fit people where they want and all that kind of stuff. You're not going to have that luxury when you've placed four models down and then your mo- your opponent plays four models and then you place more models and you're like, oh, shoot. I ran out of space or I didn't leave enough room here or I was placing down the unimportant. So you have to be a lot more precise and a lot more careful with your deployment now where before you could shuffle stuff around, flop orders around, and then you say, okay, I'm done, right? So uh-huh. uh, Horde, mo- Horde player is going to have a little bit of a harder learning curve with the deployment. And it doesn't really help them out that that much because it's always going to be like someone was saying this in one of the discords. I can't remember which one I'm. I'm a butterfly in about 18 different discords, though. Yeah, I agree. I understand. I totally but, uh, understand. But uh, they were saying that it was going to take long to do deployment because now you have to separate people into three groups. and then Not if you're on a time people. clock. Well, I mean, honestly, <laughs> it, it, it's faster. Genuinely, I'm saying that it, it's faster because what would happen with the defender? And a tremendous amount of indecision. A tremendous yes. amount of anxiety of just like, oh, God, well, I have to think about 800 different things and where all these guys are going to go. And, are they going to forward deploy? Or are they not? And all that kind of stuff. Forward deploy happens before you even place your first model as defender, even for the attacker. They have to say, once they separate into threes, I'm going to use this tactic to forward deploy. They don't do it yet, but they have to declare it at, at that point. So you know more information, and you're also going to be able to counter deploy a little bit. And it's not that hard to split up an army into three groups. I mean, orcs, commandos. Three, three, four. Your last group is always going to be four. Why wouldn't it be? right? You always want to deploy more at the end. And then you have less important and more important models. And then you just do, you do your normal boys and someone who's going to go in an obvious spot first, right? If there's, if it's painfully obvious where your commando grot is going to stand or painfully obvious where your sniper is going to stand, throw them in your first group. Who cares? You're not surprising your opponent at that point. Yeah. So um, you don't have to agonize over so many decisions as the defender. And um, it actually goes faster. And after about two, three games, people are going to realize that, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's not a difficult thing to get down. And I think it's okay. going to be a very easy carryover, once again, for um, hopefully more and more 40K players that are seeing Kill Team as the better game currently uh, to come on over and get into it. Esquizet's that's the truth, boss. <laughs> <laughs> I, I for, for the 40K players out there, as much as I do love 40K, they're gets to a point where it's hard to play consistently where with kill team and other skirmish games, it's much easier to carry 10 models with me and my gear. So it's generally why I tend to go for these smaller games. So, you know, Viva, Viva La Skirmish. But yes, I do like, I do like the simplicity of the deployment and the way you're breaking it up in thirds. I was already sort of doing that with space Marines anyways. So yeah. I think for elites, it's, you were already doing that going in teams of two anyways. It also so. feels it also feels like the balance, uh, the rule balances that come out for Kill Team are a little bit more centric, even though there's like 37 teams for Kill Team. Um, you know, they, they do feel a little bit more centralized and, and they do feel better than when the 40K releases 
their whole data slate and your entire army becomes nullified, right? So like that's one reason why I fell out of 40k is I was sick of building models and then in kill team that does that hasn't happened yet. They're very subtle nudges until everything becomes much more in line, which is much more better for balance. That is true because this is generally a game of here are the rules and your army does a few things to modify or not just a few things, but it does things to modify those rules. It, I don't know if I'm explaining that quite right. If, if anyone, gets I think you are. I yeah, I mean, you can't shoot twice, except only when you can. That's yeah. modifying of a rule. So that's what you're getting at. Your team does something special outside of the rules or within the constraints of the rules to do something unique. That's what right, and it's at. and it's only so many things where, like, when you are playing 40k or any of the bigger systems, there is a lot of rules that modify the skeleton of the general rules, and that's where I think Dakota, you know we can get upset like oh, our thing is all nullified because they changed the way we functionally play and everything's different now where this one, only one thing kind of changed. So you just don't take that operative. Now you just take a different operative and it's not too much of a difficult change. Agreed. So I, I do enjoy that. Um, now I believe the max victory points you can get per turning point is four, mm-hmm. which I actually never noticed that I was getting more than four on most <laughs> turns anyways. So that's cool. Yeah, sometime, no. sometime. This this refers to secondaries as well, right, Emmanuel? Yeah. Uh, that's not my understanding. It says from mission objective, okay. and the yeah. mission we don't have the cards are, at this point in time, so it's yeah, harder so to. Each player can score a maximum four victory points from the mission objective each turn, and the mission is A, B, or C. Yep. Um, they're labeled mission A, loot, and that objective is. And it says mission objective at the bottom. So that's how it's all signified on there. So that would just be uh, four for the primaries for each uh, mission. And that's that carries over from before, but it's just explicit for all of them being the same now. That makes sense. And then they explicitly also say two victory points for each tack off. Yeah, could you imagine um, if it was only four per turn, including your tack offs? Oh, that would be wild. It would be 16 max for the game, which would be well, 18 because they also... They also have battle ready in here. Yes, as well, that's but, new. That's yep. Yeah, but so. you you know for sure that the way that I'm interpreting it is correct because the final bullet point at end of the battle is twenty points. Each player twenty points. points. Yes. Yeah. Which is fine. I think that's great. They're doing a good I mean, job. It's definitely difficult to score. It was difficult to try and score more than four victory points in turn. I mean, I like the new missions a lot. Mm-hmm. We'll get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is why I didn't really notice that there was a max at all. I was just was like, huh. I don't think I ever scored more than four, maybe once. Most of the time, it was just four. Um, <laughs> well, some missions held you to that because, like, hold more, hold one of your opponents, hold more of your opponents. Like, there was, like, right. the way that it always worked out that there was no way that you could possibly score more. But things like loot, loot and scoot, um, you could get five, six if you were on yeah. all the objectives, technically speaking, yeah, but it you, doesn't you right. realistically happen. You'd have to be playing against, like, your seven-year-old cousin who doesn't know the game (laughs) or or you just or you just crush them you know what i mean or you're just playing sad hammer and have an extreme bias for one of the teams you yeah you could just be playing by yourself you know practicing (laughs) just being like sad be like oh yeah necrons how do you like that oh i just got six victory no sorry i went way too far there i went way too far show me on the necron where they touched you no, I can't, Emmanuel. Well, maybe I can. Have, have you guys seen the picture of the long Necron? <laughs> like they elongated all of like the arms, the legs, and the neck. 
It sounds terrifying. Is it's it a like lo- a Slender Man, but a Necron? Yeah, and it looks like it's trying to fight you. Like it has like the kind of like flexing <laughs> muscles. I'll find the picture and send you guys. Send it to you yeah, guys. I'm please, sure. I'm, excited. I'm sure. And he's like fighting a space marine with the the Imperial Knight's chainsword. It's like <laughs> insanely. I, I, it's a really ridiculous image. I think what you need to do is you need to just put that in the squad games discord after we're done recording with zero context, just put it there. And then once, (laughs) once people hear the actual, the actual podcast, they'll be like, Oh yeah, that was really weird. G Yeah, long cron versus the eviscerator. That's what I'm calling it. I I don't know whoever, whoever made that original image. Thank you for making that. Uh, Uh, Well, let's move on to the scouting step. Dakota, do you want to run us through the scouting step and what's been changed? Yeah. um, Well, we have still, we still have fortify, infiltrate and recon. Correct. Uh, The fascinating thing that's happened with uh, fortify, which would be number one is um, you're now allowed. If you choose that to put a barricade on top of a vantage point, as long as within six inches of your, uh, deployment zone. Why? Wow. Did, did you guys just feel that? I, I felt a massive disturbance in the internet right now. Exactly. <laughs> now, I might barricades have a, on vantage. What? <laughs> I have a. I might have a slightly different idea than the internet. I do not think this is broken whatsoever. But um, I usually have designed my maps and design things this way so that this this wouldn't would not break the game right none of the way that i've that ways that i've made my maps in the past can super abuse this yeah on some maps of course you can but that's why you take it right is like that's the advantage that you choose it's just like oh i want my plasma to flip over on turn one so i'm going to choose that you know um and be concealed for the entire first turn and then i'm going to turn it over and kill something so um that's kind of the biggest change is that in fortify now you're allowed to do that and Um, and, uh i i think you briefly said something that was super important there and i just mm -hmm. want to touch back on it go for it um the it's not broken but it can be yes it can be and i think a lot of the initial response to fortify um especially if you if uh, you kind of follow a lot of uh, other content creators out there, see some videos, see some responses and some hot takes. Um, there's a lot of negativity around this change. But if you see a lot of that negativity, the um, the criticism is always comparing it to maps where it is broken. And I think it's very much map dependent. And this is where things are a little interesting because map building philosophy varies uh, quite significantly, actually, um, between us, between you, between across the pond. Um, and I'll let you speak to kind of what your map building philosophy is. It actually parallels quite well with how I've always set up maps when I play games with um, casual games or narrative games or when I set up practice competitive games. Um, you and I actually see um, we independently came to the, a very similar conclusion on setting up maps. But um, there's a lot of... Um, different philosophies and different uh, approaches to building maps where the center of the map has to be, or is thought it's necessary to be exposed or dangerous, excuse me, dangerous or um, high risk. And in that situation, the way that they balanced 
uh, vantage points that are all looking at this center core is that some vantage points did not have um, light terrain on the side. So that way you can take advantage of that, but you'd be exposed. And then Fortify directly breaks that. So looking through the lens of the maps that you have played on and taking Fortify in that context, yeah, it can definitely be a problem. The down, the biggest downside to this fortify change is not the fortify change; it's the burden on the tos. For well, tos that have maps that need to be changed to ensure that fortify does not break their tournaments, does that make sense? It does, but I think there's also another thing that we have to look at, and that's the average Joe playing this game as well. Everyone who's just like learning the game, right? Mm -hmm. I think it could easily be broken there. I can't tell you how many times I've seen on Reddit people saying like, "Is this enough terrain?" You know, and or like, "Is this the proper layout?" Or "Is this the kind of this?" Right? Like, yeah. I see people that are just I... trying to learn. Yeah, exactly. Figure it out. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like to the to a normal player it can be quite daunting to figure out like, oh, I have to set up this map good. Otherwise I'm just going to murder this talons player. Right. So like, mm -hmm. um, I feel that, that it's kind of like a double-edged sword while I think it's still good for the game, uh, because mm -hmm. fortify was generally less taken, especially in the, in the United States compared to overseas. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel that there is some drawback, to that and it's unfortunate that games workshop did not come out with any suggested layouts that's why me and giacomo are mm -hmm. planning on doing that in the near future so everyone will keep everyone up to date on making more and more la map layouts for all terrain systems not just uh mine which is luster's workshop <laughs> absolutely yeah there's there's my philosophy is very similar to Emmanuel's, where, in fact, I started designing maps with my terrain at the beginning of the year. I was interested in it um, when Sheldon was making his map layouts and stuff, and I was looking at, you know, some other stuff. Mm -hmm. And essentially, uh, I decided to go out, talk to a bunch of people, saw what they felt was, like, important in the game. A lot of people said Scramble. Um, I don't like Scramble very much but that's just me. Um, but, you know, I feel that there's a lot of positives. And I was, I was learned from glass half dead. I learned from a bunch of people on YouTube and I, after playing, you know, 500 games, I, in tournament scenes and stuff, I've, I came up with a philosophy of putting more heavy terrain, more in the, in the kind of like close to the center or around the center and then generally coming up with a lighter terrain format, a medium terrain format, and a heavy terrain format. And the heavy terrain format is supposed to more mimic uh, Into the Dark, right? And then you have the medium, which is more generalized. And you have light, which will probably favor a little bit more shooting styles. And if you have all three of those styles in a tournament format, even if you don't have... Uh, into the Dark and a normal one, it should give everyone a viable chance to win games in their particular types and it also will help with list building and stuff like that right so um right and those shouldn't and those new barricade changes shouldn't really significantly hinder the way somebody might play on those maps which is correct pretty helpful because when you put a bunch of heavy terrain in the center of the map it's going to stop a lot of the line of sight vantages that you can get while getting a barricade on top of a building while i don't think that you should design terrain to punish the rules. Um, 
I think that keeping the rules in mind while designing maps or having maps come out that is good for the health of the game is important just to keep in the back of your mind. Uh, where I kind of fall on a lot of this is I, I think medium is probably the best way to go kind of all around in my, Agreed. in my opinion. Um, I'm not a huge fan of having very light and heavy and medium in the same tournament. Um, just because then your map is another random factor that you cannot account for. And you might go up as your commandos player might go up against a shooty horde on a light map, or it might go up against a melee horde on a light map. And that's going to tremendously change the likelihood of that outcome based on the map. But um, I think the common thread be between a lot of your maps that I have noticed is the limited the limited scope of what each single vantage point can potentially have, right? Yeah, I do one have vantage, a philosophy for that. Yeah, and, and if each vantage point has a limited scope of the battlefield, then if someone decides to fortify and make that their nest, that's, that's fine in this specific format because the missions don't have some objectives giving a ton of points, other objectives giving very few points. All the objectives are the same. And all the layouts have six objectives. So if each if each vantage point is limited in what they can see, then the opponent just says, "Okay, I'm going to stay on this side of the board, and your your plasma guy is just going to be stuck in the breeze up there, just enjoying the view, and you'll yeah. still max your primaries, right?" So yeah. that that that's where that fortify. Like I, I keep saying in a lot of discords, just take the whole packet into consideration, not each rule in individual, because fortify can be exploited. Very much so. It can be. Um, you can make a guy completely unchargeable by wedging them completely between a light terrain and the, the 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 top of a bastion, right? You can make someone completely unchargeable, completely untargetable, except with indirect. Completely understandable. But if that person's up there and completely irrelevant, because you can score all your all your points from the other parts of the board, then it the fortify doesn't affect the outcome of the game someone yeah. leaning on it actually nerfs themselves if you um have a map structured in the right way by limiting that scope of that vantage point and i think balancing around vantage points and what they can see i think that's what makes for the best map in my opinion and i think that's what you've done in a lot of your layouts too yeah in my in my general opinion i think that vantage points should only be able to see between two and four uh objective points maximum of four minimum of two and um, that's generally received pretty well uh, so far i haven't had too many complaints about that kind of stuff it's mostly my my general complaints of like where heavy is or not having enough heavy on like where your deployment zone is and stuff like that so Mm -hmm. everyone's learning we're all growing so we're i'm looking forward to making this critical missions pack of the cards work uh to the best of the best of its ability as well So going on to Dash, uh, Dash is changed. Oh, wait, we have one more thing about Barricade. Uh, you can no longer stack Barricades next to each other. They have to be within uh, outside of two inches of each other. So that is yeah. yes. pretty the dark rule that yes. they're carrying over. Uh, I am super guilty of uh, 
stacking barricades, so I'm part of the problem there. Uh, I've definitely too. built uh, my own uh, piece of terrain out in the middle of nowhere before. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Stop somebody from scoring an uh, uh, <laughs> an ad- objective marker completely. Entirely. Yes. yes. Yeah. I, I I took out the center objective on domination once. Just trying to weaponize <laughs> the barricades, which which there's attack up against that, which we'll get to at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great. I really like that. So dash has changed. Uh, your when you use when you choose dash, your operative now gains the fly keyword and can dash up to three inches. Um, I've told this to Emmanuel before. I felt like mm-hmm. a better wording would have been that they uh, that you could just forward deploy the unit instead because I feel like mm-hmm. a lot of people online have like criticized fly and giving somebody fly something you know and while it's it's it it's not a big deal it just isn't. Um, I just feel that if it was worded slightly different, people would have not have uh, reacted the way they did. But in the end, it's not a big deal at all. I think it's great for the game, especially for the slower teams. And effectively, if you just said, like, just redeploy within three inches of the edge of your DZ, fully within. Yeah. Um, I think that would have been, like you said, much better deceived. Much better deceived. Maybe they're saving that for craft worlds. Uh, when they come out one day maybe Ooh. but um <laughs> the uh, I, I think people would be much, it, it's effectively the same thing as fly right yeah <laughs> it would <laughs> yeah. yeah so they're, they're just sort of giving it to you now the wording's weird but it's i don't know it doesn't seem like too much of a problem yeah yeah, yeah it doesn't bug me and you can't do it at the same time as you um fortify with pretty much everyone right you can with uh phobos because you can take uh, an extra take scouting extra step choice. Yeah, and I think Pathfinders can also do a recon thing. Um, yes. But uh, those are the two teams to be aware of that they could set up their own little sp- a snipe, sn- sniper nest up there. But uh, Yeah, honestly, this yeah. this whole new thing I, it makes me want to play Phobos again. I feel like their mm-hmm. tricks will work. Mm-hmm. I definitely feel like Phobos are going to be better. I still think they're going to struggle into the same matchups that they did. Yeah. Gosh, I, I for pray them for them. Worse, man. I pray for them into Gellerbox. <laughs> they already struggled into into uh, Death Guard. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I would hate to see Phobos into Gellerbox. Mm-hmm. And then finally, I believe um, the flip is just the same. I don't think that's it's changed. Identical, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that one stayed the same. It's fine. It wasn't really an issue. Uh, yeah. I mean, I know. F- a lot of people that I've played against always took that one. I would try not to always take it because I didn't always find it useful. Sometimes I wanted to weaponize barricades and throw my third one somewhere to get it in the way. Or I wanted that extra dash so that I can deploy sort of bad on purpose so my opponent would try to counter it and then just dash into safety. Agreed. So there was, there yeah. was always those moves too, but a lot of people would always take the choice to switch your order. And mm-hmm. I thought it was fine, but... My whole goal is to make sure I don't shoot on the first turn, generally don't shoot, and then my opponent can't shoot me. So it sort of wastes their choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I think it's fine, but these other two options seem pretty juicy now, so I'm hoping more people will start branching out and taking the different ones. Agreed. And now let's uh, move on to the new missions. There's only three. Uh, Emmanuel, you want to start us off with these? Yeah. Mission loot. Uh, I wonder what that one is. Uh, probably consecration i, I think so uh, or maybe secure architect like that oh yeah like yeah the one that no one's right? ever played like, <laughs> i wanted to and then every time we look at it we go eh, let's play a different one so uh fun fact of secure architect um 
I love doing the commando grot for that, where you just pile everything in one spot, and then the commando grot just stands <laughs> on top of all of the objectives, and just he scores all your VP by just standing there, and he's untargetable because of his super conceal. But I digress. Luke, mission A. Um, <laughs> the uh, the changes to here from loot and, and loot and salvage um, is that you have to be within two inches, not one inch of the center. They yes, don't explicitly good. say it. It's very easy to glance over it, but all you need to do is control an objective and then you spend an AP and you loot it maximum three times, so that's the same. They don't explicitly say the difference, so it's important to call that out. Controlling to is two inches or circle from the center of an objective, where before loot was always one inch from the center. And yes. I can't tell you how many times I would screw that up having played hundreds of games I would screw that up every once in a while because I'm so used to everything else is two inches. And then this one is you have to be within one inch. And I would I would make that mistake um, or I'd have to yeah, correct that's an a opponent really big... on occasion who makes that mistake. And their whole plan was to be to get just within two inches or they placed a barricade that will put them right within two inches and be able to, quote unquote, loot. But now they can't. So now they've made it consistent. Everything's two inches to do things with an objective. Perfect change. Good job, GW. Mm hmm. Yeah, I, I'm I'm a big fan of that change to be honest. Um I mean, I didn't think the other one was was like awful. I just mm -hmm. think it was it was it was different. It was difficult for players like you said to know. It was inconsistent. Sure. Yes, agreed. Mm -hmm. So then you have uh, secure is the next one. So be secure. Uh 1 AP to secure something gives you a VP if you have it secured um at the end of the turning point. You have to control an objective and then you tap it to secure, and it stays secured even if you walk away from it until uh, the enemy comes and secures it. AKA uh, domination. Yes, yes, this is exactly domination. Except, except every point is every objective is one point. No more domination math. That's two points. That's one point. Blah blah blah. <laughs> right, going for the centerpiece or which one's yeah, this? True. All are yeah. one point, and that changes so much. Right. It really does. It changes you don't, you, so much. You no longer have to like dash Fight to get into your enemies. Yeah. yeah. Oh, 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 you know, with the nine inch deployment. Oh my mm -hmm. goodness. And there's good Ugh. and bad to that. Cause I loved those moments. I love those tactical decisions. They were stressful. They were important and it forced you out of a safe situation in order to score more points. But, um, it, it would always take time to get that math. And I, single-handedly lost a game against Chris Bakke because I did that math wrong. I had, I had victory. It was, it was in my, I could taste it. And I interloped instead of securing, um, doing a domination on his back point, And it cost me the game. I made that mistake. Yeah. So math, it, not even once. Yeah. So, <laughs> you, know, you know, there, there is one thing to say about this though, is that you can still always go back and play the old missions. TOs can still go and play the old mm -hmm. missions or include certain things. Right. Um, I think that this is the new Mama Jamma, and I think that most people are going to play this, but there's nothing stopping anyone from going back and having these magical moments on secure oh, Archaeotechs and Consecration. That was yeah. sarcasm. And, <laughs> and, and, the, and the reason for that is that this packet doesn't explicitly say, hey, this overrides everything. Yeah, absolutely. It seems to suggest it, and I think most TOs are going to embrace this because of the net positives are greater than any criticisms. I, I think Absolutely. everyone, even even the biggest critics, will have said that. 
Um, yeah. and I, and I think that's very fair to, to make that assumption that most will run this, but, um, in prior nexus of last edition, and I, I remember talking to you about this Dakota, um, they explicitly said, do not use old close quarters combats. This mm-hmm. is new close quarter combat rules. Use this even in arena. They were fairly explicit about that. We don't have that here. There are suggestions in the mission setup, but we don't have that here. And I still have bad feelings about Pariah Nexus. The fact <laughs> that that came out and then Kill Team 2 came out so soon afterwards still upsets me. Is that day. is that the Necron that hurt you that made you so bitter for Necrons? I Absolutely. Think we, trying I think to put those to it. Trying to put those flayed ones together still gives me nightmares. Oh, I'm you not probably you probably bled a little bit. Yep. Yeah. 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 That and lots of lots of glued fingers together. <laughs> uh and anyway final mission c capture um this is c's grant yeah effectively but again all points are worth one vp what's what's interesting though is that even though i figure that these are the three best missions it seems that some of these missions favor hordes more than others and i never thought about that until i spoke to ace Ace one time, I think it was Ace. It might not have been Ace. It could have been somebody else randomly on Discord. Um, but they said like, "Oh, that's interesting that you're playing with so many loot and sal- like loot and salvage two games in a row." It could have been Travis. Um, he was like, "That generally favors hordes," and I was like, "No, nah, it doesn't. No, no, no. You don't know what you're talking about, <laughs> top player." And then I sat down and I thought about it. and I was like, "Oh, wow! Like it kind of does." Yeah. So it's just fascinating that some of these, I feel, I think domination and seize ground are geared more towards like you know, um, not hordes. But I feel like loot and salvage is definitely a little bit more of a horde mission, which is good because ultimately we have to have one for all three, right? So. I mean, it, the way I see it, I, loot definitely favors a horde. Um, capture definitely favors um, an elite or a mid-range team, like eight mm-hmm. to ten models. And I think secure is probably the best one for elites, but also a mid-range team would do better on that than elites. Um, yeah. Elites are doing pretty darn good right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, with intercession and with uh, legionaries rocking the house. So it would be really interesting to see how these three new missions tone that down with them being not as favored with missions like this because they can't swell their points at the end. I had an episode of the Kill Zone with Chris where we talked about how elites win games. And yeah, I, I remember this one. Yeah, and it's with um, not focusing too much on primaries and turning point one and two and swelling your primaries and turning point three and four, which you could do on things like domination and seize ground where you can easily get four um, VP, but for loot secure and all that kind of stuff, you need to work towards that a little bit more and um, have more consistent um, primary scores throughout the game. And that, that might not be as easy for you to get to that same, that same endpoint. So unfortunately that, uh, that episode has not aged well, it seems. <laughs> well, what's what's fascinating about that that philosophy in general as well is that I've also seen um elite teams jump out to such a commanding lead in the beginning that even though if they get completely board wiped, they can still just cuz they have 3 APL, right? Mm-hmm. Generally, you can score uh victory points faster. So, um sometimes I have seen where uh intercessors or legionaries have gotten completely wiped off the game board 
on the last turn and yet they are the last even two turns and they've still pulled out the w so it's very fascinating to see that that's also terrain dependent <clears throat> and you have to have good secondaries that 100 percent because they're doing that by getting enough primaries but maxing their secondaries yes yeah yes now there's there's a couple of ways to set up these missions actually there's five ways total mm-hmm. um which i i let's let's talk to all of them organized i think it's the easiest one that's going to be your to's going like yeah all right loot a there you go that's what you get you know yep. whatever whatever it is loot then, a1 there, yeah loot a1 there you go that's what you got awesome that's what the table uh, is yeah Easy. well it'd be a1 but yeah 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 yeah. in my opinion randomize is the most fun if you just want to have like whatever who cares you have veto which is pretty fair you know you're you and your opponent are choosing control i think that's probably better for narrative stuff mm-hmm. You know, where you're deciding how it's going to be because you're playing out a story. And then you have bid, which is pretty chaotic, depending on what you want to use to bid. Uh-huh. Like, you know, like, all right, let's bid dollar bills. What are we losing here? <laughs> like, that, oh that's, gets, that's gets nuts. <laughs> Strip kill team. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> it worked well in the winter when you have multiple layers, but in the summer, it's going to get uh, pretty raunchy in your tournament. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I really strongly discourage you using bid in the Southern California community. <laughs> And please only do it in Vegas with money. That's, that's right. Yes. That's what we should. All right. There we, that's what we're doing in LVO. Poker chips. Done. <laughs> um, veto, um, just to call back to Veto, is uh, very much uh, v- draws a lot of influence, I think, from Star Wars Legion. Legion. Yeah. yeah right. And, yep. and I think that's a really cool way to set up missions. And I also like that the Defender gets to um, choose the uh, map cards. Because um, I think the map card is more important to winning than the mission card. And they select three map cards after they've already decided the mission. So it gives a little bit of an advantage to the defender, which um, I always like to see. Yeah. Um, Uh, Go ahead. One thing I think is awesome is that I could see tournaments being played with organized. I could see them play, being played random, and I could be seeing them played with a veto. The cool thing that I have planned is that um, <clears throat> with our with our our map mission with our map uh, with our maps, I feel that those could also be inserted into these. So, like, you could have like, hey, we're gonna play a one, and then you're gonna play this map, right? Or in a random one, you could do you could roll a dice and choose a map, right? Um, and in Veto, you could be like what Sheldon did was like, oh, we're not going to play this one, we're not going to play this one, we're going to play this one, right? Mm. Um, with the Veto, and I feel like those could all be played really well. And I think the most the two most competitive tack ops uh, layouts for it would be either constructed random or free selection, right? Those are the two. Mm. I believe for, so. Yes. For, for the card draw for your tech ops. So I feel like, I think that's super cool that we have three things that are like super, that can be pretty competitive. And I think that, you know, tournaments can be ran in any of them. And in, in fact, I would love to see a random tournament. I think that would be a lot of fun. Well, so the, what's interesting is that the, the one thing that's not listed here um, mm-hmm. is, how they actually recommend to do the um to do the tack ops because in the match play game sequence they actually say it's free choice only one um 
faction tac op so that's a oh. big deal so that's tac that's ops number five somewhere yeah okay um number five of the match play game sequence they say this is how we you should do it got it. um and then at the top of the tac ops section on the the reverse side of that fold out it says here you'll find alternative me- methods you can use so they're yes. selling oh. these as alternative random is pure chaos and i love it but i also like acquired Acquired is where everyone, the both players share the same deck and attacker selects, uh, you deal out six, attacker chooses, defender chooses. Then you shuffle everything again, you deal out six, attacker chooses, defender chooses. Oh, that's super fun. You you both know what they are, what your opponent has. And I think that can be a really fun way uh, to do it. Um, And then constructed random is the way that we were playing. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I think that could be a lot of fun for like next year if we ran if we had like an open play uh, or like a friendly. I think it could be really after cool dark. to have after an after dark calling to you with pure random. Hey, you know I'd have to get Sheldon's help with after dark because that's his baby, <laughs> right? Call him um, after Sheldon. Dark. Sheldon, if you're listening to this, after dark at KTO, pure random tack ops, please. All random. <laughs> um, Different faction tack ups. No, I, I think yeah, that would be really just, fun. Just throw as many faction tack ups as you have in there. Well, too. I don't have marker lights, but I'll try to get this. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would be really cool to do three hour rounds where you just play like two two rounds a day or maybe three rounds a day, uh, and use acquired. You know, because it's open play. Like people aren't you're not being super competitive about it and uh, are friendly. You know, I think that could be a lot of fun. Yeah, I could get behind that. Yeah, absolutely. So those are the new ways to do missions, which I think are pretty cool. Now let's talk about one of the biggest things, layouts. Dakota, go ahead and be the front man for layouts. So layouts have center lines in each direction, showing what side is your deployment zone, uh, your territory, your opponent's territory, and your opponent's deployment zone. Mm -hmm. And that's super important because a lot of the TAC ops now say, territory and deployment zone they got rid of all the measuring so no we don't we don't need to measure anymore for um you know hold hold ground or whatever it is right um Mm. i think i'm using the new names already hold them hold them back yeah hold them back yeah so you don't have to do that anymore now it's just a straight up line right Mm -hmm. so that's super useful um and then there's there is this is going to get contentious between us three because I think we all have different words for it. But there's like hamburger, uh-huh. there's hot dog, yeah, uh-huh. and, and then what, there's what, what are you going to call there's, yours? There's pizza. No, you're, you're going pizza now. That's so wrong. It's <laughs> nacho. Cha- it's quesadilla. I don't care what anyone. Says. <laughs> what? Have you seen a quesadilla before? Yes, many times in my house. I so <laughs> so have you. Uh, you know we we can cut them in triangles though. It yeah. makes sense. Yeah, but you don't. I, when you say pizza, you don't. You say a slice of pizza. A pizza is a circle. A slice of pizza is a triangle. Are you going to call it slice of pizza? And are you having a piece of a quesadilla, or are you having the whole quesadilla? No, <laughs> quesadilla is a half circle. Pizza is a. I will die on this hill. It is not just what I'm going to do. Look, quesadilla <laughs> explains. It works you, for me. Hamburger has two buns. Hot dogs have two pieces of bread like a bun. Quesadilla has two tortillas on top of each other. A nacho has toppings. So does a pizza. <laughs> it doesn't so, have the part that closes. Pizza is my favorite <laughs> food, so I'm just gonna go so with you, pizza. So you say? So you're admitting that you have a bias here? 
Wow. 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 I wow. I think hey, you're we for live the in... community here, but you're letting your bias for pizza come through on this. It's oh clearly a nacho. God. The toppings are all the de- all the deployment markers, all the objectives. This is a plate at nachos. It's a quesadilla. Those little dots no. you see are just the brown parts on no. top of the tortilla. That's it. I can't take this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, we could just go with Doritos. <laughs> Doritos? What? <laughs> Unless they're crushed, they're pretty much triangles, right? I mean, sometimes they're curly triangles, but... Unless you're sponsored by Doritos and Mountain Dew, then I don't think you can call these oh, Doritos. It's going to be like Bugle hey, or something. Hey, Mountain Dew, <laughs> Doritos, if you're hearing us, we have open sponsorships, my guys. Just saying. <laughs> we could sell Game Fuel. We could sell uh, Mountain Dew and Doritos. I'll just eat Doritos all day. Just all get of, day. Get rid of Master Chief on those Dorito bags and just put a <laughs> just put an Orc War Boss. I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that'd be fine. It's, it's so much better. Yeah, I, yeah. I, would, I would look at that. That's cool. Well, I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad we have our decisions. Regardless, whatever you want to do it, it's the triangular one. Um, yeah, the Nacho deployment. Yes. Yes, quesadillas. <laughs> Pizza. <laughs> Watch, someone's going to find out like the actual one that makes the most... Watch, they're going to say something like uh, Bacchus. They're going to say triangle. That's what they're going to say. Just triangle <laughs> deployment. Which, right, which is like... effectively a nacho, but anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're all, six, least, it, they're all yeah. six deployments, or six objectives, which is yes. fantastic. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and the best part about it is that each of these deployments do have three associated maps with different mm-hmm. um, different orientations for objectives Mm -hmm. now when they're all put together they all overlap immensely and you could think (laughs) that perhaps they should like make less objective markers layout maybe they only need you know five Mm -hmm. um but that really only matters to people who make terrain maps and actually lay them all out and see like a crazy. I think Sheldon just did a recent one when he put them all. Oh on my one goodness! Map. I want to play. I want to play that game with all of those objectives. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that we would all. Oh yeah, I remember well, that. It was yeah, 54 yeah. objectives on one table. It was amazing. Yep, that's pretty much how my when I start designing maps. It's pretty much how my uh my design process first starts off so it's a little nutty mm-hmm. um but uh it is quite entertaining because you're like why do, why are these a half inch away why why, why do these like overlap by a half inch and why are they so hard to measure that's one thing that i do have to say is that sometimes they, they're better on this one i'm not gonna lie gw has easier layouts on this particular one rather than original but um, some of them can are annoying to lay out. That's why you should check out my boards. My boards have automatic <laughs> lines, <laughs> lines and deployment dots. There you go. All right, sorry for the for the plug. Um, but uh, no, I think that it's a great section. Uh, you know, for I like the mixy matchy. Yes. yes, I like that when I'm playing loot and scoot. It's not going to be. Um, the same six in like, okay, well, I need to be very skewed towards one side of the board. Whenever I play loot and scoot, I have a very predictable kind of path to victory. Um, th- just shuffling. And some of these are very zany. Some of these are like, honestly, pretty zany, like uh, flank. Ooh, I really like flank. Flank is very interesting where everything's going to be forced towards the north side of the board. Yes. Um, or you have... Um, 
that's the most zany one. You also have a little bit of base symmetry with Battleground, which I'm I'm super into. And then you also have Boundary, where the center of the board is completely not as important as you would think. Nope. Um, all, all, this, all this is super interesting, and I like the mixy-matchy. And it's funny because it's also the deployments that being mixy-matchy. And you had toyed around with this a little bit. I remember using mm-hmm. the Nacho deployment, as we've all agreed it's going to be called, um, for the... Um, for loot and scoot before and i've played that and it, it's fun it's a very different dynamic and and I, I dig that so much yeah it was weird i was like i in my mind when i was designing all the maps and stuff i was like why can't we just play this map mission with loot and salvage and everyone was like because of raw raw is the way of the game you have to play raw if you don't play raw you're playing it wrong if, if you're and gonna I'm say like, it like that you gotta say it like Macho Man Randy Savage. <laughs> Ooh, it's got to be raw. You got to play it raw, brother. <laughs> but but yeah. to be fair, to be fair, I do support that. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree. It's just interesting that um, I thought that I thought of this so long ago, and now it's being implemented. It's like, oh well, yeah. It it could it could have been done. It could have been done, and I don't think it's like super game breaking. So. It's it's clearly in the game now, so hopefully it's not game breaking. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> and I'm glad it is. I'm super glad it is. So I, I what just a time to be I alive. Thought about it before, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so I'm really excited for those layouts. They're going to be a fun way to play, without making it too much harder. Mm-hmm. You know, those cards are gonna those cards are gonna help. Well, let's get to the 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 most exciting part of this whole thing: tack ops. Mm-hmm. Tack ops. Everything got. Well, mostly everything got changed or better worded or they got rid of ones that no one was really using because they just, why would you ever take this and put it into something else that makes more sense to take. And then also took the teeth off of some too. Yeah, some of them were really strong, like automatic takes. And now they're like, mm-hmm. we might take them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you guys want to start off with infiltration? Sure. Let's start with infiltration. Yeah. I almost always took this. Almost exclusively every single game that I played with, uh, with commandos, I would take infiltration. And a big reason for that, interlope. Yeah, and well, yeah, <laughs> and it's gone. <laughs> Auto two points, and I'm so happy it's gone. Yeah, because now too. I get to play more with my commander grad. I have, I'd have to bubble wrap the guy, right? Because he was yeah. my ticket to getting two VP. But now there's well, was... so much more he can do now that I'm not worried about him being bubble wrapped. Yeah, it was frustrating an uh, interloper with the commando grad because it was so hard to counterplay it. Uh, pretty much couldn't. Unless you yeah. charged up the board and killed him, and he could see that coming from a mile away and just zip to the other corner. Yeah, exactly. Alex tried difficult. so much. <laughs> yeah, or you have to like hug the back of your board, which then you're not playing kill team, right? So, um, no, I think that uh, I think it's a great change. I think some of these have some have some really interesting synergistic overlaps that make each one possibly better in different mm-hmm. situations. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty excited to dive into these. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite out of these three? Seize defenses. That's pretty cool, right? It's probably one of the. It's one of the more unique ones. Uh-huh. It's one that I'm that I'm hoping I'll get to take more frequent. But it's one of those you have to sort of know your opponent and going like I know they're going to weaponize barricades, so I'm going to go ahead and take advantage of this and then mm-hmm. score two free victory points. You know, thanks for that. Super great on uh, Into the Dark. Um, where barricades are used to plug you into rooms. Now I'm going to score well, some points off of it. 
Well, can we use these in Into the Dark? I mean, I assume we Theoretically, could. they haven't Theoretically, said no, right? and I think it's yeah. a good idea to, um, yeah. just because these are so much better than the previous ones. I don't, I don't think. And there are some rumors that Glass Have Dead had shared that there might be something coming. I think he heard something from someone on Warcom, and we know how reliable Warcom can be sometimes. Of but course. in the light that we don't get any official guidance, um, um, looking through all these, I mean, just like the previous tech ops, there's some that just don't work on Into the Dark, and we just follow the guidance from the, the Into the Dark book of if it doesn't work on Into the Dark, you can't use it. Yep. And yeah. they Simple have rules. Yeah, and they have rules in Into the Dark um, on how to fill out the rest of your um, rest of your uh, tech op deck um, in order to make it work. But um, yeah, I. Yeah, I, I I like these on Into the Dark, but that's that's a whole other podcast to talk about. I know. Um, Hopefully, we'll get to do one. Yeah. The 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 best I my favorite is Gather Surveillance, and I'll say why. Uh, it reminds me a lot of, uh, I think Nephilim Data. I think is what it's called now. For the longest time, it was Retrieve Octarius Data Rod, um, mm-hmm. where you would. Uh, how it worked in 40k was that you would go to different sections, different quarters of the board and then you would spend an action and then you would retrieve data in that spot then gathering points and um it's pretty similar except you're just doing it on an opponent's victory point correct Mm -hmm. um uh you gather surveillance in their territory while in conceal more Mm -hmm. than three inches away from enemy operatives right yeah which is very it can be easy to do this is probably going to be the easiest thing for your uh commando grot to switch to uh that or or okay. stock target yes tell us about stock target yes yeah, so stock, yeah stock target you have to be conceal he's always going to be in conceal anyway not with engagement range but within um square of uh an enemy and you score a vp um but it doesn't have um it doesn't have to be you're, you're not selecting the operative you're selecting the enemy. Ooh. So you don't have to declare that my... Because with gather surveillance, you have to select a friendly operative once um, at the um, end of each target reveal step. Mm -hmm. So what's nice about that, it's not just one and done like with interlope. If you kill my interlope or I never score it. If you fail in gather surveillance, you could do it with someone else. Yeah. But you're you're also telegraphing that. With stock target, you're telegraph... You're selecting an enemy model. And you could select someone that you know is coming to you or that you know you can get to easily. But you can use it as kind of like a little bit of a mind game to say, mm-hmm. okay, well, like, I'm going to score a VP from you if you come close. So why don't you come close kind of thing? And you might even help discourage a certain thing from happening, knowing that you could zip over with a commando grot and then just be on the opposite side of a wall just growling through the wall or something like that on the another side of a bastion like stuff oh, like yeah. that i i could see him doing that i can see him doing install device very mm-hmm. very well um yep. he zips and then he just um plunks down the device um you would ha- the thing about install device is that you have to do it really early on you have to do a turning point two if you want to score two vp on it because at the end of the turning point if it's been in the kill zone for the whole of that turning point so it means if you put it down in two has to be around for all of three and then for all of four. Um, really hard to score both of those, but Commander Grok can do it. Um, he's yeah. up for the task. 
Yeah. 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 I also like install device and subversive control. Subversive mm-hmm. control. Now, what's interesting is I feel like subversive control is almost a win harder tack up. Mm-hmm. So if you're already winning, you're going to win harder with that. And if you're not winning, I don't feel like you're going to win with that. If I had to give anyone just some tactical advice is if you're playing somebody who can take infiltration and you're using security, don't take the, uh, the hold line one. Because <laughs> <laughs> infiltration's like whole goal is to get into your territory yes. and do stuff. Right? And so, it should be. That's, that's yeah. what infiltrating is. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely agree with that. So I think that yeah. <laughs> just a quick tip. Yeah. And implant's still here. Implant's great. Yep. Um, yeah. Love it. Yep. Yeah. Implant is amazing. It was a good one. Didn't need to go away. In case you're playing against someone who like, I'm going to lose this fight. There's no way I'm going to win, but I'm going to implant and get us point at least. Yeah, absolutely. That's my yep. go-to for staying relevant. That's how we stay relevant in this rap game. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, moving on from infiltration, because I think we covered all six already. Let's go to recon. Yeah. All right. Uh, recon. A lot of changes here. Yeah, this one yeah, had this is what kind of made me think like I could play Phobos again with infiltration and recon with how much these have changed. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is gonna be a good one. Let's do secure vantage because that seems yeah, to be the I was about to say let's, let's talk about the elephant in the room first, right? <laughs> yeah, that this one is interesting. You used to be two VP, you plop on top of a point or two AP to get a VP. And mm-hmm. You got up there, and then whatever happened to you happened. You already took a look around. It's just basically I'm paying two AP to take a nice look around at the view. That's what it was, right? Yeah. Now, now you have to be further away from your drop zone, which is you know consistent, but um, you have to exist there until the end of the turning point. That's going to be hard yeah. for some teams that just plopped up and down, or Unless, plopped up and died. Um, Unless if you have the the fortification up there, but here's the thing: if you this is, I've heard a lot of people saying that this is like a buff to Pathfinders, and I'll I'll say the reason why I don't think it is is because a lot of Pathfinders take dash number one, mm-hmm. right? Um, so that they can dash 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 and throw a grenade. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're taking fortify, you're taking that away from yourself, which I've seen Pathfinder players not do. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're taking that tactical thing away, but also how I design layouts is I don't usually have a lot of vantage points. I either have my vantage points like within three inches, maybe one just outside. And then the rest are either in the center of the board or on your opponent's board edge. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like this is going to suffer from map map design. So with, with certain map layouts and certain map people who design certain maps, Secure Vantage is going to be very strong. Mm-hmm. And in other packages, other other layouts, it's probably going to be harder to score. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, play and the that, map. Play the packet, yeah. not the game. <laughs> and, and that's exactly why I said at the top of the pod, um, the the person that has the biggest burden is going to be the TO um, in, in dealing with Fortify and dealing with these new um, tech ops because they need to adjust. Um, some more than others, depending on what they're doing and what they've set up, because the game plays differently with these. Um, plant banner's gone. Plant banner's Thank gone. Goodness, you got a transponder. Wait, not 
the plant banner. Wait, wait, wait. Um, am I remembering wrong? Or is banner that... could have been in security. Well, it might have been in security. Yeah, and there, they, there's they, something you... similar for this. Reco- yeah, because uh, I used to take it in Phobos. You had to go to their their edge and then plant it, and it was like two AP. To I think do. It, I think, I think that's it's a like... new plant transponder. Within three, I think it's within three inches or six inches of their deployment zone. It was really yeah, easy yeah. to score on domination, but harder to score on every other map. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, I forget what it's called off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Well, in its so, place, we got plan transponder, mm-hmm. which is cool. This, this one's interesting because you have to be more than circle two inches away from any terrain feature that doesn't have the insignificant rule, which I, I can't recall a time I've used insignificant rule on terrain. But you have to be kind of like in in, in the open field and you plant the transponder. You do it once, score a point, do it again later, score another point. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's an interesting one. I like it. You have to be on your opponent's side, so it makes sense. You can't just do it in your home base. You can't do it while you're in with game range or within hexagon of other tokens. So like once you put this down, it stays there, then you have to go do it again somewhere else. Mm -hmm. I like it. Um, I think it's fair. I don't really have an issue. How do you guys feel about it? I like that I, it plays around with barricades. Yeah, me too. Yeah. T- time to weaponize I think it's, them. I think it's good. It's not my favorite, but it's definitely it's definitely pretty good. Uh, also, it's plant I, signal bacon. Plant bacon? signal bacon. That's bacon. the one. Bacon. Yeah. Yes. Crispy bacon. Shout out. All right. Um, Quesadilla. <laughs> so <laughs> my favorite for this is probably Outflank. Oh, okay. Yeah, the the triangular uh, replacement. Yeah. 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 yeah triangular. And this is another 40k Fallout, uh, and it synergizes with my Eldar playstyle that I love. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I just feel like this one's also easier to easier to score for really fast teams, Corsairs, stuff like that. So, um, I think it's just designed overall overall pretty well. So it's mm-hmm. this is pro- this one, and I also like recover item pretty much. And what's nice about um, things like outflank is that if you suspect that your opponent is going to do control center line from security, you can contest that while scoring outflank. Yes. Um, and that's that's super cool that you can that there's interactions across uh, tack ops like that. Yeah, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, courier is um, really neat. Um, it's kind of like a replacement for Overrun. Um, kind of. I feel like I never used Overrun once. Yeah. But, uh, essentially you just got to get close to your opponent's drop zone and, um, you do it twice. Easy. Yeah. And it, it, it correlates well with picking up items, planting transponders, potentially even outflank as well. Um, and search forward like all of these that are just like uh, get over there get into that it's kind of like with infiltration and recon they're just kind of get close and yeah so they all synergize for those listeners that don't have their cards in their hands uh outflank is uh at the end of the turning point if a friendly operative controls both neutral kill zone edges you score one vp and how you how you score those is you have to have more APL. And if you do it again in a different uh, in a different turning step, then obviously you can get it. Uh, and this can be revealed at the beginning of any turning point. That's one thing that's kind of important to see when you can score these because those have changed in a lot of different um, in that's, a lot, especially in security. Yeah, security yeah, really changed. got to change. 
Yeah. Yeah. They got huge changes. Do you want to move on to security then? Let's Heck move on yeah, to security because we could talk about uh, Secure Central Line because it, um, it immediately dovetails from <clears throat> what I was saying yep. before. Um, basically, the center line is kind of like a big, long objective. Um, and it's a total APL of friendly operatives on the center line. So their base has to be across um, and in some fraction on that center line and not on a vantage point. Um, you get one BP. And this seems like it would um, uh, stack very well with center control, except for the fact that you need to be wary of those flanks, which if you're suspecting someone might be trying to stack center control and secure center line, and you can take recon, then it's a really good option to take um, the outflank. Yeah, I, I think um, I think that secure center line is really cool. I think it can be a trap. You obviously it's very terrain dependent for sure. So just before don't go into a game thinking you're going to choose the same thing every time. Mm -hmm. Right. So always be open to be able to change uh, your your play style, especially if this is going to be your first tournament. Right. So or your second tournament, just keep an open mind of what what you want to do and then try to make that happen every, every time. Mm -hmm. Central control hasn't, well, uh, well back to secure center line. The other important thing is that you have to reveal this after the first turning point. So you can't score it on turn one, yep. which is pretty important. Yep. And I believe that's the same thing with central control. So no more rushing for that center scoring in the first two turns and getting out and not caring about the center anymore. And one more thing to point out is much like center line, you have to be on the ground. Not an advantage point that wasn't the case mm. before. Yeah, I believe that's pretty much for all of them now. Is they're like mm. on the ground. Mm. Anything relevant? That's probably has been what the original intent was, but it was never explicitly written. So, yeah, who knows? Who knows? Or maybe this, that was a change. This specific thing might make me have to design redesign a terrain layout. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, the tos have the biggest burden. Yeah, but you know that should be the case, right? Like. It is our objective to run the best tournament that we can. For instance, we can't just go out and just run a tournament willy-nilly. You know, I, in my personal opinion, in order to run the best, the most fun, the most uh, based game for everyone is based. to have layouts. Yeah, to have layouts that are tested for everyone and that run well. To accurately respond to that phrase, I will just say bet. <laughs> uh, no cap. Oh no, I don't know what yeah, that don't, means. I'm so don't, old. Don't start Giacomo on this. He is. He I, lo is I love Zoomer humor so much. He, he is the Zoomer king. Oh, he no. got me oh, to start my, saying. It's my cousin says it unironically too. He's a Zoomer. Like I hear him say it all the time. Like man, that that was gas. Like oh my god, what? this is where we're at now. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure what gas is. And there's, you know, if you're a Zoomer and you're listening, that's completely fine. You can say all these things. I might not understand Yeah, this something. podcast is gas, bro. <laughs> yeah. There, We're there was cooking with gas. There, I know there that was nonsense one. that I said when I was that age that made no sense to anyone else. So Man, it, all comes, it all comes it's full circle. It's I think DGAF, DGAF was, was, was a big one when I was young. DGAF the NAR. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, not not that one. That one was a weird one. It was like a it was like a subculture of DGAF. It was never really like what? catchy, but someone said it once. <laughs> like, all of this is just nonsense to my ears. What are you saying? Yeah. 
Yeah, and the best I'm thing is that the these... loudest old man yells at cloud moment I've ever had in my life. <laughs> Dear Lord. Yeah, I know it is quesadilla. No, <laughs> no, it's not you. <laughs> the best thing is that we're gonna meet people and they're just gonna walk up to us and they're gonna be like, "It's totally not you." They're just gonna come up and say Doritos and walk away and be like, "What?" I don't get this. And then I'll remember, you know, like three <laughs> minutes later and I'll have to go run over to him and be like, no, bro, if you put your Doritos on pizza, then we're, then we're cool. Okay. But if you don't put your Doritos on pizza, I guess if you put like, I guess, I guess if you do like nachos, Dorito nachos, hold up, hold up, which sound fire, bussing, hold up, hold up. <laughs> sorry, wait a minute. Okay. I could get down with Doritos on pizza. Yeah, I, I, Doritos I, on I, sandwiches I, is the jam. Well, I mean, that's 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 basic stuff right there. You're not surprising yeah. anyone with that move there. But Doritos as pizza topping, huh? I can get behind that. Yeah, stay tuned oh, for our next podcast. I'm on. We, I might have tried. We can't. <laughs> we 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 can't do Cool Ranch Doritos though, because I obviously I Giacomo says that dad. they are. Don't tell Giacomo's, me what I can't do. Giacomo says that. Doritos, right? Cool are Ranch. Cool Ranch Doritos specifically have green and red flakes, and he is a f- he is a damn liar. Okay, <laughs> they are literally just plain Bruh. chips with Bruh. peppers. Bruh. That is like like that is it. Bruh, they got cap, green cap. and red flakes. <laughs> they don't have green and red flakes. I'm colorblind. I called Bruh. my colorblind you, friend, and he said they don't have green and red flakes. You cannot call another colorblind person to ask to tie break Dude, a color question I literally, I literally call him for everything i slept in my bed with pink sheets for two years thinking they were yellow i called my my homie i was like yo ronnie are these yellow and he's like yeah we went and saw we went and saw uh how is this supporting your case on the green and red flakes because it means I'm not insane. Okay. There's somebody else who has my no, same no. exact views. See, see, right? Listeners, this is way more important than the rest of the tack ops. So <laughs> it just is. D- do not we can tune wait. off. We can wait. Do not tune off. Okay. <laughs> Dakota. Yes. Green and red flakes. Well, they are present Ms. on Cooler Ranch. Yes. Okay. Let me ask you this question. Yeah. In the movie Miss Marvel, where yeah. the, do they have really awesome, cool blue steel suits? Or were they green suits? Nasty green. They were green. They were not green. They were cool, awesome steel blue suits. Okay. <laughs> let's ask. Uh, let's ask a celebrity host of a game show. You, to see you guys can tweet at us and let me let us know if Doritos have green and red flakes, or if the the Marvel lady show movie had uh green suits okay I, okay Just let us know here here's how we're gonna solve this whole conundrum dakota okay yeah i believe that in the universe as you perceive it yes there are no green and red flakes thank you in your Anything? personal universe which is not accurate but in your personal and, universe hey hey <laughs> that, and ronnie that. we sh- me and ronnie share a universe okay okay <laughs> dakota All extended right. universe i mean that that's such a hot take. It's a hot take like taking center control and secure center line and thinking you can double dip without any consequences. 
yeah double dip those doritos because there there's yeah, definite consequences yeah. you know secure oh. center line you just go on their side dakota like... <laughs> you're, you're, dakota you're not holding yeah. them back at all you're just out with the punches oh uh, yeah absolutely i'm fired today yeah i got i gotta be careful here and protect my assets before you seize ground <laughs> speaking of which um protect assets and seize ground did they change at all um i i i don't think don't they really think so. did nothing i don't nothing crazily right at first similar. glance they didn't to me um i barely take security so it's hard for me to remember what they used to be the way okay. that these are right now seem fine and the way that they read don't scream new to me so i'm pretty sure that these are new like it's not like it's not like secure central control or not sorry it's not like in central control where it's obvious to me it stands out that vantage point is different but i'm pretty sure that um seize ground and both of these are identical um, yeah hold them back got a huge change which is so huge. much harder such, than a, such a welcome change and it's a consistent change every map yeah. has the same territory it's the middle irrespective of whether it's hamburger hot dog or, or quesadilla dorito pizza <laughs> cool ranch dorito it's, it's always the middle right so then there's no yeah. there's no ambiguity and i would always hate things like hold them back on uh nacho deployment because that's not a very easy line to draw especially when you have uh, unless if you have dakota's luster's workshops uh boards well not that's all of us lot. have that dakota okay well you can some of us have to look at the green and the red flakes we don't get to live in your world of bliss okay <laughs> Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> um, but what's interesting is escort operative is completely new, correct? It's yeah. the new plant banner. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and I like it because it's scored in phases. I super like that. It's not like an all or nothing. Oops, drop my banner or oh, here's my two points. It's hey, if I get close, here's a VP. If I get a little closer, more VP. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I like I like the new security changes. I think it's it's definitely balanced out the security thing rather than everyone saying like security's the best, bro. Well, I don't think it is anymore. Yeah. I, I think I it's on, on par now. Strong. Yeah, I think it's pretty strong in the right scenario, but it's not free points like a lot yeah, of the time. Like it used was. to be. Yeah. I'm yeah. so glad damage limitation is gone. I hated yeah, that. It was I, so uninteractive. I never it took was, it. It was great for custodies, mm -hmm. and that's about it. Sometimes, sometimes Space Marines. Yeah, my cat's getting so, on the keyboard. Moving on to uh, seek and destroy. Mm -hmm. There's there's some uh, fan favorites here: Route, Robin, Ransack, um, Headhunter. Um, the one that I like the most out of this entire package. My favorite tack off in the entire packet has to be eliminate guards. I think I it's so cool. One. It's so cool. It is cool. Yeah. You have tons of objectives to choose from, center line or within your opponent's territory. You have full agency of choosing the enemy, and you can reveal this at any turning point. So you could do it for at the end of at the start of the turning point, on the target reveal step, rather. Um and you could not have any plans to score it in turning point one. But you could select someone that you know they want to be forward. 
that they want to be effective. And you can play that mind game. I love it for that, right? But then mm-hmm. also, you could choose the guy who's got one wound left, right? Because <laughs> like, yeah, I'm totally going to kill that guy who's on the objective with one wound. And you can, you can net yourself. Yeah, you get, Stiff Breeze is going to get you a VP. I like it. There's a lot of different mind games, but also it's very... There's a lot of agency to it. And I, Unless I you have... It's a scratch. Um, it's just a scratch, <laughs> sir. Um, actually... <laughs> I did actually push my glasses up when I said that. For oh, no. <laughs> I wish I could put captions on this so I could caption that, you know, like in, in parentheses. That's right. He pushes glasses up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Eliminate um, Cards is great. I love it. I think yeah. it's one of the better ones. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like this one got changed the least, right? Uh, well, two big changes. Um, challenge is gone because yep. forget challenge. Executioner is a better better challenge. Um, okay. You still need to choose one guy to be your executioner. Sure. Puts it a little bit of a target. But then you get to... Um, but then you get to select an enemy operative to be executed um, at the target reveal step at the end of each target reveal step. So it's no longer... I'm challenging you. Okay, well... I'm just going to run as far away from you as I can, right? Or I'm going to die to someone else, and that way you don't get any points. Like, you get you get a lot of agency again, which I'm really liking to keep shifting um, from uh, one target to the next to the next um, as your executioner is moving around the board. I, I like yeah, that absolutely. a lot. Absolutely, yeah. And then they got rid of Deadly Marksman and changed it with Assassinate Target. Which is cool. Um, Good. Which... It's better because I didn't. I wasn't a huge fan of Deadly Marksman. It was hard to get two VP on that. Um, the Assassinate Target is the only thing I don't like about it. Is I hate that your opponent gets to choose one of their operatives. But if you're going up against an elite, well, there's not so many options that they have, and they have to use other guys. So I wouldn't yes, use Assassinate Target true. against that guard. No, 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 no. no. But just, I'm just gonna take this one standard guardsman and put him in the back corner. Yep. Yep. Yeah, but um, it, it's good against the right team. Yeah. yeah. I think the other big thing I don't think we've touched on yet is that you can only take one faction oh, tack I mentioned it in complete passing, oh. but yes, you can only take one faction tack Yes, for for this one. Which, which is, is cool. quite which is quite big and a, and a big nerf to, to certain, to oh, certain yeah. factions. Pathies like would like love to take two or three. Yeah. Um, Admech, I think they took two of theirs, right? Sometimes, sometimes, like the um, the I do more wounds than you. The and, I do more wounds. Um, calculated eradication, I think it's called. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then another one of them. Yeah. <clears throat> Void dancers yeah. as well. They like taking. They had two or three. Um, they they would take two to three of theirs. Yeah. So this hits. Um, and interestingly, these are these are very effective factions, right? Very top oh, yeah. factions, and when a third of your points are coming from these faction ta- uh, these tac ops, um, that that is effectively a pretty big nerf to some of the bigger teams. Orcs never or commandos. I rarely ever took faction tac ops. Maybe one if I wanted to, if I needed to, but yeah, they don't have um, the best. But um, yeah, it would be blow it up if I took any of them, um, and. I, I don't see any strong need to do that again. So it doesn't really affect commandos. Again, a faction that was on the lower end. So it seems like a lot of things that were fueling a lot of these top factions were having a lot of good um, faction tack ops as well, seemingly. So nice change there. 
you say that orcs are lower end, but really the only person in Southern California that really plays commandos uh, <laughs> is you. <laughs> and you typically place very highly. It's the same thing with um, Alex when he plays uh, Admech, yeah. and then they got a buff, and he was pretty much always top top of the pack too, you know? Well, but it's just like the also, rest of the world. You also have to think about um, where those victories come from, like the type of play that we play, and what those percentages actually reflect for these balance patches because the percentages very much reflect what's happening at the mid tables right yes absolutely um, and i think that's the most appropriate place to balance the game around because you'll see players like chris Baki take blooded to the moon right yep he, yeah he can literally take whatever he wants exactly and and a pilot who is effective can play most teams right um Agreed. just Finding success with a team in the hands of a great pilot does not mean that that team is not in need of help. Agreed. Um, and the the problem with orcs is also that those numbers might be skewed a little bit um, just because a lot of people pick up orcs as their first team while they're learning the game, too. Um, yeah. It's a very common team for people to be drawn to because they's the best. But also, they were in the first box, and that box is floating around, and... Uh, I also don't think that they're typically very easy to play. They're easy to learn, not easy to win with. Yes, um, agreed. And uh, that that can get you into a lot of traps. But again, that's that's a whole discussion for another show. A whole another episode. A whole another yeah. show. Yeah. Well, bef- before we close out, I do have one hypothetical question I would like to ask you both. Okay. Usually, Giacomo gets to do this, but yeah, it's not true. I have the answer. I, I have the <laughs> the mic day. Um, if you guys had to see what would be your dream kill team box release of a, um, of a, of a team, two teams together that you would love to see. Ooh. Hmm. Terminators versus Gene Steelers. Hell yeah. Yeah. I'm going going classic. You get uh, four Terminators and then you just have a bunch of Gene Steelers. I, that, yeah, I think that's that would gotta be, be cool. one of the boxes for this, or at least they've they got to get one of those. There's got to be a nid list. There's got to be. I I don't think we're gonna see Terminators, honestly, not in this edition. They're, they're, yeah, but um, unless everyone gets like some like mercenaries or elites buff, where everyone gets to ch- choose one super buff guy to bring with them, right? Like everyone, yeah. gets- unless if Terminators kind of take take the custodes place and then they play very similar to custodes but as replacing them yeah maybe perhaps and maybe you could proxy maybe. custodians for them maybe it still would be amazing and a great final box for into the dark a good way to cap it off they I think would they really would totally cool. be an into the dark army because you know they're not like super fast moving so mm-hmm. they're not going to be climbing up vantages and stuff they're going to be moving around without mm-hmm. being stopped and firing their bolters unless and they teleport in combat. gravis done right what um so <laughs> it, this this will not happen this is okay. very much we're wishing for stuff right at this point sure. yes yes um yes. i would love the red gabo and a whole okay. rot army to be legal okay versus catacans catachans catachans huh. okay i i like that hunting, that, hunting the goblins that you... i would super be into that because it essentially could be a Gorka Morka box because those oh, yeah. Catachans, you just paint them up as Diganobs 
and then you have a Gorkamorka box. This will never happen, <laughs> right? There's no one at GW that has that same twisted um, humor that I have. Oh, at least not maybe. at the high levels. Well, whoever whoever <laughs> made the Goff Raka is my spirit animal. Uh, whoever they are, please send me a DM. <laughs> Let's talk because I got some ideas for next year. You can but, send them to Emmanuel's DMs. Oh, anytime, baby. <laughs> but um, the but uh, yeah, I'd love to have like not and not the Christmas red gobble, right? I have been scouring eBay to try and find a decent shape, decent priced original Gorkamorka red gobble because okay. um, I just love love that whole idea, and I I think it would be really rad to. Well, what I'm planning to do is make my own. Um, can we have a little hobby round out at the end of this? Um, Absolutely. Sure. Uh, I'm trying to make my own HQ. Um, okay. War boss, but it's going to be Dered Gabo stabbing a knob. All right. I'm using that um, Bailar's Bailar's Revenge model. Mm-hmm. The I think it's a Black Templar that's yes, stabbing the, a knob. Yes. Yes. Um. But I'm going to build up, and I got a, a cloak from Alex, one of his Admech cloaks. I'm going to put okay. naked into a grot cloak, put him up on some like stones and rocks, and he. I'm going to really rough up that sword to make it look like a big chopper, and it's going to be the grot stabbing into the um, the orc war boss. And that's going to be my war that. boss for... for uh, and it's 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 going to be a beautiful thing. I don't know if I could do it, but I'm very excited to to try. But I I love the red gobbo for like all of the Gorkamorka, the whole it, it's great stuff. So I would love to see a whole Gretchen um, kill team legally, Absolutely. not like the weird yeah, yeah. compendium rules bending one. <laughs> so my favorite, my ideal, I have two. One would be like inquisitors versus something Ooh. right it's like an inquisitorial I could, squad I could get versus something an inquisitorial slot squad especially if i get to use my eisen inquisitoric eisen one but exactly the other one or like any of the the ones that we have like if they actually released an eisenhorn one oh i, I would drop everything and just play that but that's besides the point that's besides the point <laughs> no more squad there, games Dakota. no more toing he's just playing yeah. eisenhorn that is it all right <laughs> okay so my ideal box set would be brand new Catachans Ooh. versus versus brand new striking scorpions. Oh, that'd be fun. You want a, in you like, want a predator like situation. Yeah, predator. Yeah, in in that alien like forest stuff they have. Because they haven't released it yet. So, you know, I'm trying to make it as as you know, GW if you're listening in the next in like three years. Yeah. Just Drop new striking scorpions. They catch it. They, they could do. <laughs> they could do some pretty dope stuff with the, uh, with the kind of design element that they have from the um, war cry box, with mm-hmm. where they kind of have vantage points in a jungly kind of situation, right? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that would be amazing. Terrain. So they could. Oh, they yeah. could definitely adapt some of the the foresty jungly forest uh, terrain and add some of that kind of design element to give vantage points and make it effective. I'd I'd be down to clown with that. Um, but instead of striking scorpions, grots. <laughs> I remember uh, Dakota and I were talking once, and we had uh, discussed how they can have an assassinarium kill team. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, where it would be just four, four assassins plus like two little assassins. People have uh, homebrewed that. Um, yes, but most of the homebrews I see are like so strong. power fantasy ones, and yes. it's like you can't you can't just power fantasy this because then it's like that's not going to play. 
right. you have to understand there has to be regular rules. But you know, hey, they're your power fantasy. Do whatever you want. You know, it would be cool to have like Arbides and like one assassin, and you could choose one of the four. That could be really cool. I, w- I would just want all four for Assassinorium Force. You know, yeah, Re- you reprint the box, man, and then you're playing against <laughs> a, a specialty chaos list that has one Psyker and a bunch of like cultists. Yeah, absolutely. The um for the hobby roundup, Emmanuel, you wanted to talk about something because I have something big to talk about. But go ahead. Um, well, I could talk about my big thing. Um, I teased it on the last episode of the Kill Zone, and depending on when this comes out. This might beat the Killzone announcement of what I'm doing. That's fine. Um, Alex and I decided to start a blog instead Ooh. of uh, our YouTube channel. Well, kind of ancillary to the YouTube channel. YouTube analytics and the algorithm fight us constantly. Um, yeah, they hate Kill Team. Well, they hate they hate certain types of content that's not exactly what they want to promote. That. Um, and if you don't feed the algorithm, you get buried. And that's always been a point of frustration for us because we can't, we, we just don't have the wherewithal or the um, ability to feed that algorithm, which I, um, I said this in the Kill Zone um, episode that, uh, that'll be coming out before the end of the year. I view the YouTube algorithm kind of like the great unclean one in my mind's eye. Uh, <laughs> but I digress. Um, the, but we decided that a blog would be a great way for us to, um, kind of steal back some of the lost time over the course of the day, writing articles and putting out stuff like that, but also having awesome. a fun uh, community section where we just kind of talk about our games and going out and playing in the community or narrative games, that kind of stuff. So um, be on the lookout for that. Um, it'll be coming out soon-ish. I'm working on it in the layout and stuff like that right now. We're putting together some content, so there's a bunch of stuff there ready, right at launch. But it'll, interestingly enough, strategicadvantage.blog was free. Well, now it's not. It was. <laughs> now it's not. We have it. So, uh, yeah, look at look to that in the near future. It'll be a fun, positive blog, which we don't um, with uh, some fun tactical stuff, news, but also just uh, hobby, hobby, and uh, yeah, and uh, just good vibes. There's not there's not enough good vibe bo- uh, kill team blogs out there. So we're gonna be putting. Oh, that's up. amazing. Yeah, look forward to that. Yeah, thanks, man. It does sound fun. I will. I will read. One hundred percent. I'm I'm sick of reading the news. I'd rather much read stuff about Kill Team. <laughs> do you want to? Do you want us to read the Kill Team news to you? Tune in at eleven. <laughs> I have one hobby thing nice. I have to talk about. Oh yeah. So LVO sold out for the second time. Yeah. So this year. impressive. Good for you, man. We, thanks. We sold out at sixty four. I was able to secure to secure more tickets and then it sold out again in under 10 minutes uh and we're now at 80 and we might be able to get more but we won't be able to know well into january so if you guys still want to go to lvo you can join the squad games discord um and i'll be posting more about that and i'll try to post in uh other disc well-known discords as well if we're able to secure more tickets secondly because we went from 64 to 80 Mm -hmm. I have to make a lot of terrain mm-hmm. and paint a lot of terrain. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be uh, quite the endeavor. In fact, I have to have 40 boards worth of Lester's Workshop terrain. So the Matt laser only stops during podcasts um, <laughs> or when I'm sleeping. So it's going to be quite exciting, to yeah. say the least. Better not everyone. sleep. So, yeah. 
I, I, We're recording I only more got, podcasts. I only got three hours of sleep last night, so, you know. <laughs> it's super exciting, guys, and I'm really looking forward to being at LVO and meeting a bunch of people there, That's So, awesome. especially the people on the East Coast. I'm so happy for you. That's such a big accomplishment. It's such a testament to how this community has grown. Absolutely. So you told me back in 2019 that we'd sell out LVO and we'd have to muscle out other game systems to make more room for us. I'd say, ah. You're smoking something. That's never going to happen. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, this is Kill Team. No one knows what this game is. Eh? People know now. Absolutely. And it's super cool that it's, you know, it's starting to grow more and more in America. I mean, we are at where Spain was last year. Yeah. So it's only a matter of time, Spain. If you guys are listening, nah, we're going to get as big as you one of these days. Nah, buddy, they've got a head start. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have a, They have like a two-year head start. Yeah. Set your sights on them, but be happy coming in second. Absolutely. <laughs> I am a happy second placer. <laughs> All right. Well, now let's do some pluggables. <laughs> Emmanuel, where can they find you? Ah, you can find me uh, at Instagram. I did a fun fun little post recently where I did that whole face in the middle the, uh, of all my orc faces. The artist, artist uh, face yeah, and art yeah. challenge, it's, yes. It's, this is the first year I've actually felt comfortable calling myself a miniature artist and not a guy that slaps paint on miniatures. Um, okay. It was, a, it was a big, big moment for me to feel comfortable saying that about myself. Uh, so I was really proud to do that. Um, that's on my Instagram, eman.paints. Uh, you can find Strategic Advantage on YouTube. Just search for us there. And pretty soon on a blog, strategicadvantage.blog. Check that out. You'll have a very awesome. generic in construction <laughs> page if you go there right now. But pretty soon that will uh, blossom into a very fun site. Hopefully. Dakota, where can, they, forward to that. where can they find your terrain layouts? So they can find them on lustersworkshop.com uh, slash squad games. It's if you just go to lustersworkshop.com, it's on there. I just got to click on a tab. Uh, if you want to talk to us more or become part of the squad games discord, go ahead and join us over there. We can talk. Uh, also, I do. I have made a bunch of new stuff for Etsy, but I have not felt comfortable releasing that until I make these 40 sets of terrain. Mm. So if you're, if you're looking out, uh, for cool new stuff for kill team possibly other games look towards lvo and january for a bunch of new stuff coming from my shop um that should be pretty cool including the the uh, elusive sector vitalis shut up and take my money And G, where can they find you, homie? Uh, you can find me at Wargame underscore Studios on Instagram if you want to see all the work I've not been doing as much as I'd like. <laughs> I'm going to try to make that New Year's resolution to work more on things, or more more like just take pictures of the things I've done. Yeah. And um, like Dakota mentioned, you can find us on Squad Instagram. Games Discord and on, and on Instagram, yeah, at the squad.games.entertainment. Mm-hmm. We're going to have all those links in the show notes. So if you're on mobile, it works. If you're not on mobile, it doesn't for whatever reason, but you can just copy paste those links. All right. That, that, that's it. We made it. We completed an episode. Can you believe it? Yay. Uh, yeah. Yay. <laughs> I think this is our longest to date. So thank you everyone for sticking through us to the end. Uh, really appreciate all of our listeners. Uh, I just have to say, thank you so much. You've really made this, this journey worth it. Rate our podcast. Rate it one star, yes. two star, four star. I don't care. 
podcast rate you will. <laughs> Five stars. Rate the podcast you will. <laughs> All right, everyone. Catch you later. Ciao. Later. GW sometimes. That are that's a different <laughs> in yeah. pieces. Those are that are pieces of a god quesadilla. That is not that is not a quesadilla. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs>